on it, but it's not included in that, but God's giving us more and more along that line. Uh, we're going to go along the line of faith this morning. Aren't you glad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As, as we've said, it's a thrill to hear, to hear about faith because faith is our part. Our part. Faith is our role. Power is God's part. Yes. He's the author of power. <clears throat> He's put it at our disposal, but power is his part. But it's our faith that gives action to that power. Amen. So that's Amen. why we want to learn about faith because faith is our part. And uh, the better we know our part, the more we can cooperate with his power. Amen. Amen. And so it's a thrill to, to hear about this wonderful topic of faith, isn't it? Uh, go with me to 1 John chapter 5, if you would. 1 John chapter 5. And several weeks ago, the Spirit of God brought this passage to me, and it just leaped off the page at me. And we're going to, to look at something here that John in his writings said. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. He said, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. So, is that you? Yes. yes. These things have been written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God. And then we could go on and say this. These things have I written unto you that you may know. Uh, listen, I, I like this phrase. These things have I written unto you that you may know. Isn't it something that he didn't say? God has shown you miracles that you may know. Right, right. Come on. God has demonstrated power that you may know. He says these things have been written wow. so that you may know. Yeah, it. It's right. what's written that helps you to know. Hallelujah. Because there are a lot of people who see miracles and still don't know. That's right. That's right. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees saw miracles and still walked away not knowing some things. <laughs> and thank God for what we, we, we may see of God's power and demonstration, but the word is written that you may know, and if you don't ever hook into what's written, you'll never know some things. And so that's why we, we love the teaching and the preaching of the word because it helps us to know. And so he said, these things have I written unto you that you may know. Remember what it says, uh, that my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Couldn't we put this, say it this way? My people are destroyed for the lack of knowing. Oh, yeah. Yes, ma'am. They don't know some things. Notice it doesn't say my people are destroyed because of the devil. That's right. It doesn't say my people are destroyed because of uh, lack of money. It doesn't say my people are, de are destroyed because of the lack of health. He said, my people are destroyed because they don't know some things. Yes, that's right, that's right. And so John, John gave us a cure. He says, I've written these things unto you that you may know. <laughs> Why? That, that you won't be destroyed. Because when you know, then nothing can destroy you. Yes. Amen. The devil's not our problem. He's been defeated. It's the lack of knowing what has been made ours and how to appropriate that. And John said, I have written these things unto you that you may know. Uh, there was a, uh, a woman asked, there, there, there was a woman that was part of Moves of God of the past, and she was a praying woman. And a, and a young lady asked her one day, she would, would have been in her late 80s, maybe early 90s, and asked her, she said, can you talk to me a, a, a minute about uh, the prayer groups today? That, that you see as opposed to the prayer groups you grew up participating in and that were on those cutting edges of what God was doing. 
And the elderly woman said, yes, she said, uh, today when you go to prayer groups, people are pulling out their Bibles and they're trying to find passages of, of, that, that, that tell them some things. But she says, you know, when we went to prayer, we went to prayer already knowing what God would do. We had already settled it before we started praying. She said people go to prayer and they're trying to settle some things. They're trying to convince themselves. And they're trying to find their answer. She said we took time to find our answer before we went to pray. So that when we went to pray, we already knew what God would do. And we prayed from knowing. Not hoping and trying to find some, trying to find an answer. But she says, we took time to know what God would do. And uh, I, I'm reminded of, of a woman who, she was part of the Azusa Street Revival. There was this black woman preacher that I heard years ago, probably about 25, maybe almost 30 years ago now. And she was telling about her grandmother who was part of the Azusa Street Revival. And uh, she had gotten, uh, she had been a part of that, and then she was part of her own local church. And... She lived in a, in a small community, and her daughter was grown and lived in that same town. And one day, there was a knock on this grandmama's door. And she went to the door, and when she opened the door, the, the town doctor stood there. And he says, I, I'm stopping here because I, I was called to your daughter's house. Her appendix has burst. He says, I've got her in the back seat of my car outside. He says, it's going to take me an hour and a half to drive her to the nearest hospital. He said, she will be dead by the time I get there. And he said, uh, I just wanted to know if you wanted to see her one last time before I took her onto the hospital. And uh, the grandmama says, no, I don't want to go out and see her. You know, there's some, it takes faith sometimes wow. to not look yeah. Come on now. at what wants to be seen. And, you know, many times if you just look at the wrong thing, it just gives you something to overcome. Yes. And so she says, no, she says, you, you take her on to the hospital. She didn't even go out to see her. And so the doctor turned and walked away, and she shut the door behind him. And when she shut the door, this was her prayer. Father, I know that you know that I know. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. No wailing, no crying. I want you to know, I know that you know that I know. Meaning I know something. And it's for times like this that I know this. And because I know it, I'm going to look to what I know. Now see, you come to the church and the pastor teaches you so that you can know some things. When you're faced with opposition, go back to what you know. Quit going to what you feel, quit going to what you see, but go to what you know. And many times people will lay down what they know because what they see or the pressure that's yeah, coming against them can, is on. so tangible to them that they cast aside what the pastor's been helping them to know for months and maybe years. I mean, I see it as a pastor all the time. You know, I've been pastoring for over 20 years and it's amazing to me that when you'll, you'll see somebody who's been in the church for 10 years, been hearing amen and shouting the loudest in the congregation, and when difficulty hits, they lay down what they know and they fall apart. Why don't you hold to what you know? That's why we teach you, so that you'll know what to know when you're faced with what you don't want. That's right. That's really what faith is, is just, is just holding to what you know is right. Amen. 
It's just that easy. And this is what John says, I've written these things to you that you may know. And so she prayed this prayer. She said, Father, I want you to know, I know that you know that I know. You know, the more you know, the less you have to pray. If I could say it that, in that right respect. I'm not against prayer. But a lot of people are praying to try to get to know. But if you'll already know, then when you pray, you don't have to pray near as long because you already took the time to know. Hallelujah. You know, I, I have, in, in all honesty and truthfulness, I've prayed very little for our sons. Why? I teach them some things. Amen. I took more time teaching them things. Then if they teach them right, you don't have to pray near as much. Hallelujah. Take time to know what's right and things will begin falling in place when you act on what you know. And John said, I've written these things unto you that you may know. You know, you think about it. That Here she prayed this prayer. She said, Father, I want you to know, I know that you know that I know. In other words, I'm not letting this circumstance with my daughter redefine what I know. Yeah. Glory to God. See, people will know God's their healer until symptoms come. Yeah. And then they start changing what they knew. Yeah. They start abandoning what they knew. They knew he was their provider when they had money in the bank. But when pressure came, they started changing what they knew. And they could start changing their giving, start changing their tithing, start changing their offerings. Why? Because they let go of what they knew because of what they felt and what they saw. Faith means you continue to hold to what you know regardless of what's going on around you. That's what faith is. I'm holding to what I know. And pressures come, circumstances come, and difficulties come to try to get you to redefine what you know. You know, Ed's taught us so much of the time over the years. He's taught us uh, if, something, if something difficult happens to you, don't start asking why. You know, we, we, years ago there was a partner that was a partner with his ministry. And uh, the wife... Uh, of this partner, uh, she became ill. She was, I think, only in her 30s, and she ended up dying prematurely. And uh, the, 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 the church that this partner that they were a part of is a word church. You know, they taught healing, faith church. And Ed went to the funeral of this, did you go to the funeral uh, of, this, of, this, of this woman? And the pastor was starting to say some things, and the husband started saying, say, well, you know, I, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to reevaluate this subject of healing. Why? They were letting what they faced redefine oh, what they knew. Oh my, oh my. Come on. And Ed, Ed warned them, don't, 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 don't question God, you know. And, uh, and what, what is that? That's what pressures and difficulties come to do, to try to change what you know and redefine what you know. Yes, that's right. Don't let them. Don't let them. Don't let them. Why? Because why that happened? Don't change what you know. Come on. Don't start questioning what you know good, is the word. That's right. That's good, These things have I written un, ha, unto you that you may know. Hallelujah. Uh, so good. And, and uh, we, we see this demonstrated in the life of some of our spiritual forefathers, so to speak. Uh, we can look at one of them. I, I love the instance that happened with Smith. Smith Wigglesworth when he went to bed one night and sensed an evil presence in the room and he woke up 
And Satan in manifested form was sitting on his bed. And he looked up, looked at him and says, oh, it's just you, rolled back over and went to sleep. How many of you know that is resisting? That is the pe- a peaceful resistance. That's not a desperate <laughs> resistance. He did not let pre- the presence of the enemy redefine what he knew. And he just went back. He just rolled back over and went to sleep. You know, and, and I say it this way. When, when Wigglesworth said, oh, it's just you. No, it wasn't maybe quoting a 14 scriptures, but it was acting on what he knew. Right, 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 right. Amen. Hallelujah. What did he know? Satan's defeated. Satan's defeated. Satan is defeated. Over, don't take, don't, we won't take time to turn over there, but 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, it says, Paul says, a great and effectual door is open unto me, but there are many adversaries. Where? At the door. I always insert in front, when I see in the scriptures the word the devil, the word the enemy, the word adversary, anything like that, I always write in my Bible in front of it, defeated. Because it reminds me, there are many, there's a great and effectual door open unto me, but there are many defeated adversaries. Because I always want to remember them and approach every opposition with the, with, the, with the remembrance that they are already defeated. That's what really Wigglesworth was saying. Oh, it's just you. Who's just you? The defeated one. And I've said this, you know, uh, in, in relation to that statement. Oh, it's just you. Men, if you're dating someone and you, you, you fall in love and you think, I'm going to propose to her. And you buy a ring and you go over to her house and she opens the door and says, oh, it's just you. Keep it in your pocket. (laughs) Because what is she saying? You're not invited. When Wigglesworth said, oh, it's just you, he was basically saying, there's no entrance for you. Isn't that right? If, yes. if she says, oh, it's just you, you know that you have no entrance into her heart. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's good, Pastor. Isn't that right? That's good. So don't we see a resistance even in that just by standing on what he knew? He didn't get up and labor and travail and, and pray in tongues for four hours. He Come said, on. oh, it's just you. And then notice this, he rolled back over. If I could say this, much of your encounter with the devil, you're just going to have to turn your back to him. Hallelujah, that's good. Many, uh, many people are trying to resist. Or they resist, resist, and resist, and what they're trying to do is get him to leave. Just turn your back to him. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We see that with Jesus when Peter, when Peter was speaking of the wrong counsel. And it says, Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. And one, one passage says he turned his back to him. Don't, too many people are trying to get rid of Satan. Listen, just answer him. Don't let him change what you know and turn your back to him. They're trying not to hear him. They're trying to not feel him. Wigglesworth didn't do that. He just ignored it. Went off to sleep. And when the devil can't get your attention, he can't get an entrance. Hallelujah. That's so good. If you give your, him your back, what you're doing is saying, you're not getting my attention. And many people are struggling because they're, they're giving the enemy their attention while they're resisting, so to speak. 
They're resisting, but their total attention is on him. Well, praise the Lord. And so, and so we see that a renewed mind is this, just knowing what God knows. That's what a renewed mind is. And when you begin to know what God knows, it will transform your life. And we are to know that Satan is a defeated adversary, and we're to approach that, every situation with that understanding. Now let's look a little further here in verse 13. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. And we're going to see a, a further wording here. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know, that we may know what, John? That you may know that you have. That you may know that you have. Well, what does he say that you may know that you have? That you may know that you have eternal life. Yeah. Well, what's eternal life? It's all the wealth of God, all the resources of God, all the fellowship of God, all that God possesses. Hallelujah. The life of God, the nature of God, everything that makes us one with God, it's all ours. It's all ours. And he said, these things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. In other words, nothing is withheld from you. Everything is yours. Everything good is yours. Freedom from sin, freedom from sickness, freedom from poverty, freedom from anything that is birthed out of the kingdom of darkness. You, that you may know that you have freedom from all of that because you're hooked into eternal life. You have God's nature, His life, His faith. You're blessed with everything that heaven itself enjoys. And Paul and John says, I've written this to you that you may know that you have all these things. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 And uh, when did you get it? You got it at the new birth. You're not trying to get any of these things. Amen. They all belong to you at the new birth you were born into them. And so we have to know that we have... We have. we have. John says that I've written these things unto you that you may know that you have. We're not to struggle. We, when, when we're struggling to try to get it, what we're saying is we don't know. I'm going to go to church and I, I'm, 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 I'm going to I'm, I'm going to I'm going to have somebody to help me. I need help. I, I'm going to go get somebody to pray. Listen, come to church. Yes, we're, we're going to better know when we come to church what we have. But come to church bringing what you know with you. Don't lay down what you knew. You know, in our church, I've told our congregation, help the pastor out here by reminding each other of what pastor preached so that they don't need to come see me again. You know, so, some people, you know, bless their hearts, they're in such the habit of crying and falling apart and struggling and going into the drama show whenever things start happening. And that's the time if you love someone, you say, wait a minute. Did you not listen to what pastor preached? Because to them, what is written is not enough. They want a personal instruction tutorial. You're growing up when you say, wait a minute. This is what the pastor was preaching on Sunday. I'm going to do it. He preached this so I would know it, and I know it, and I'm going to do it. 
And really, you're going to help people by reminding them, listen, you know better than this. You know to quit crying. You know to quit, to quit calling 14 people to pray for you. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with people praying for you, but it's wrong when you lay down what you know to act that way. So good, Pastor. So good. Amen. Remind people. Remind one another, wait a minute, don't you know what pastor was teaching us? You know better. Pick up what you know. You're going to have to take what you know to opposition. See, people are taking what they feel to opposition. People are taking what they see to that circumstance. And you're going to have to take what you know, these things that are written on you that you may know. Take what you know to what you hear. When you hear the wrong thing, pull out what you know. When you see the wrong thing, pull out what you know. Amen. And uh, I, I, I'm reminded that we were, we were hearing, a, we were with Dad Hagen in a meeting. And, and, and it always stuck with me the way he said this. He, was, he had called for a healing line and, of course, hundreds and hundreds lined up. And he was walking along the steps because the people were lined up along the front altar area and he was walking along the steps and he was talking to them, but it, more, it's, it came across as though he was more so thinking out loud. And he was kind of muttering it, but you could tell he was mulling over this statement. And he, and he was walking and, and he had his hands up like this and he said, uh, did, all, did all of you up here know that you're, now see he hadn't ministered to him yet. He said, did all of you up here know that you're already healed? And he goes, no, of course you don't. That's why you're up here. Now, was he discrediting the healing ministry? No. He was trying to get these people to start moving in line with what you know. Now, is that right? Yes, yes. Let me tell you, as a pastor, there are people who come that don't know much about the Word when they first come to the church. But as they grow, it would bless me if they would start acting on what they know and, and not reverting to the way they've always acted. And it's our right and it's our responsibility as leadership to remind you, wait a minute. I, 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 was, I was with one pastor, uh, you know, Ed had preached in a service, and a man, evidently, Ed had touched on something that this man, that effect, you know, that was pertinent to this man's life, and he ran up to the pastor, and I was sitting by the pastor, and, and, and this man said, Pastor, I need to set up a counseling appointment and come talk with you about this. And the pastor turned to him and says, you do not need to set up a counseling appointment and come talk to me. You need to start doing what you know. Hallelujah. Amen, that's good. In other words, he had already been doing this routine before. Yeah. And if we're not careful, we will keep flipping back into getting other people yeah. instead of drawing on what we know. Hallelujah. Let me, there are some people who think it's enough just to get around people who know. Yeah, Come on. If I can just get around that preacher, it's not enough for you to know people who know. You have to know for yourself. And when you know for yourself, you're not constantly pulling on someone who knows. And it is our responsibility as as pastors and leadership, it's our responsibility as people grow to teach them to start drawing on their leadership in a different way. Right, right. 
When you were young and you didn't know some things, I would let you draw one way. But as you grow up, I'm going to put a demand on you to start relying on what you know because I've been spending my life to teach you to know something. Hallelujah. And then when you had a difficulty, you lay it down and act like nothing that I've taught you ever went wow. into you. And that's dishonorable to what I've taught wow. you. Wow. You need to start acting on what you know and quit drawing on people who know. You know, I appreciate something Dad Hagen said once. He said, some people get so upset, afraid of what they don't know. And he said, if you'll just start acting on what you do know, God will make up the difference. In other words, don't be, don't be concerned and occupied. I don't know this. I don't know that. Just do what you do know. And Paul, this is what John was saying. I've written these things unto you that you may know. Not that just the preacher may know. Not just the pastor. But that you may know. What are we to know? To know that you have. I have. I have the blessing. I have the victory. I have. I have a victory over this situation. I have healing. I have provision. I have these things. And I'm going to approach this opposition knowing I have. And many times people are approaching opposition knowing I have a pastor when they need to know that they have their victory. Because then they start leaning and looking to the pastor than looking to their victory. Well, praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. So we need to learn to draw differently in services. As we grow up, we need to start, we we need to come. I've, I've come to this service to better know. Because the better I know it, the more skillful I can become in the face of adversity. I don't need a feeling. I just need to know some things. My people are destroyed for the lack of what? Knowing. Yeah. Because they don't know some things. Now, go with me if you would to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. You know, too many times we we complicate faith, don't we? Faith is just holding to what you know. As long as what you know is the Word, and many times you think you know. There are some people who think they know, but when they come to church, they get that redefined of what they should, that they see where their knowing was incorrect. You know? So good. And so Paul said... Paul talked also about, he, he said, I, I want to see you. He said that I might perfect what's lacking in your faith. Couldn't we say might perfect what's lacking in your knowing? Yes, yes. Yeah. That's so good, so good. So here I, I want you to see something that, as John said, I've written these things unto you that you may know that you have. What a, what a wonderful thing to approach difficulties in life. Go through, go through your day meditating on this, saying this to yourself, driving down the road in your car saying, Father, your word is mine so that I know that I have. I know I have. I know I have. All the things that I need in life, I know I have. I know I have the supply for them. I know I have healing. I know I have provision. Now, doesn't that, isn't that better to go to bed with that than to go to bed wringing your hands worrying? Faith is knowing you have. I have it. I'm not trying to get it. I have it. And I'm resting on that. I'm reclining myself on that. Mark chapter 7. 
let's, let's look here in verse 25. Mark chapter 7, verse 25. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of Jesus and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it under the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And so basically, she, she's saying, I'm not asking you to take a portion that belongs to somebody else, what they're careless with, and let fall. Let me have that part. What they're careless with, what they don't claim, what they let slip through their own use. Let me pick that up. That's, that's interesting, isn't it? She, she thought, I don't have to have the portion. Just give me, just give me what, they, what they cast aside and what they, they didn't use. And he said unto her, look at this. For this saying, go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid up on the bed. Look at this phrase in verse 29. And he said unto her, for this saying. He didn't say for, for because of my power. He didn't say because of my sermon. He said, for this saying, for your saying, the devil is gone. Well, if she received the devil gone out of her daughter for her saying, everything you're going to receive is by your saying too. And when you know, you say. So now that you know, now you have to move on and add the saying to what you know. These things are written unto you that you may know you have. Now, you may know you have, but they won't move for you until you say, I know I have. You understand that? It's not enough on the inside of you to know you have. It begins there. But now you've got to add for this saying. For what saying? I know I have. When you're faced with a situation and you don't have enough money, you go to bed saying, I know I have full supply. I know I have full supply. I know I have full supply. Don't you appreciate it didn't say my God shall supply the million dollars you need? Because you may need more than a million dollars in this lifetime. He said my God shall supply all your need. Don't limit your supply to just dollar amounts. Amen. Your mind may go tilt on, on a certain dollar amount, but supply is unlimited. There is no ceiling on this word supply. So no matter how big your need is, God didn't put a ceiling on the supply for that. Now, how are you going to receive that supply? You're going to have to say, I know I have. You have, for on the inside of you, in your spirit, you have to settle it. You have to gain the understanding. I know I have. But once you settle that, now you're going to have to say it for this saying. Amen. For this saying. Now go with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4.
And let's look at verse 16. We'll start there. God was speaking here. This is recorded about what God said to Abraham. The first phrase of verse 16, the King James says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. I like what the Amplified says. It says, Therefore inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith. Couldn't we say this? That the inheriting of the promise is the outcome of knowing and depends entirely on what you know and what you say? We could say that, couldn't we? Because faith is about what you know and what you say. It involves knowing and saying. Now, verse 17 says, God was speaking with Abraham. He says, as it is written, I have made thee. Now, see, isn't that very, very parallel to what John says, that you may know that you have? I have made thee. I've already made thee. A father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. That he, he, see, he would, become, he would become according to what was spoken. Now, John says that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, believe according to what was spoken. I have eternal life. And, uh, and then it says in verse 19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. What's that mean? That he knew. Yeah. When you know, it means you're fully persuaded. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. This is what I want you to see in verse 17. It says, God said, I have made thee a father of many nations. Notice God had made him to be something, but that had not, he had not experienced what he had been made to be yet. God has made you to be the healed, regardless of whether you've experienced it or not. He's already made you that. He's made you the provided for. Whether you're experiencing that or not. He's already made you to be that. Now it's up to you. Now, the thing is we see that what God had made Abraham to be also involved Abraham's participation. Otherwise, why would he even tell him? If he had already made him to be something and it didn't require Abraham's part in it, then he could just work it aside from Abraham. But he needed Abraham's participation. What did he need Abraham doing? He needed Abraham to say, I'm the father of many nations. He needed him to say the same thing that he was saying. Listen, this is what I want you to see. God had made Abraham to be something, but until he said it, he, he would not become that. Amen. I've written these things unto you that you may know that you have, but until you say it, you won't experience what God's already made you to have. Praise God. There's a lot of people who never become what they've been made to be. In the body of Christ, there are a lot of people who never become what they have already been made to be. They never become the healed when they've already been made the healed. They've never become the provided for when they've already been made that. See, it's not enough that you be made that. Now you've got to say, I am made that. And when you say that and agree with that, then that is worked and fulfilled in your life. Now we'll close over here in Abraham. In, in, Abraham. in Hebrews chapter 4. 
Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Ed has said this, and I love this statement. I wrote this down. He says, your redemption won't work unless you say so. See, he's already made you the redeemed, but you have to say it. And John was saying, I've written these things unto you that you may know you have. Now you're going to have to say, I know I have. I know I have. Now see, the thing is, we, we'll tell people that need healing. We'll tell them, say, I believe I've received my healing. We'll tell them to agree with that, won't we? We'll, we'll tell people as, as ministers, we'll tell them, those who need provision, stand up and say, my God shall supply. Amen. But yet when it comes to other things, people don't respond the same way. For example... They'll come, I need direction. I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. Say, I have direction. Yes. Say, I have wisdom that I need. Yes. Amen. That's how you move into it. You don't, you don't move into it by saying, oh God, I need it. Oh God, I need it. Oh God, I need it. Any more than you're going to receive healing by saying, God, I need it. God, I need it. God, I need it. You won't receive salvation by saying, God, I need it. God, I need it. You don't receive anything on the basis with saying, I need it. You receive on the basis of saying, I have it. If you need direction, if you need wisdom, you need understanding, start saying, I have it. Because until you have, until you say you have it, it won't be moving into your life. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4. Are you there with me? I like the, the last phrase of verse 3. The, amplif the King James says this, For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said. As I have sworn in my wrath that they shall enter in my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Well, let's actually, let's back up and let, let, let's remind ourselves what this passage is about. God had delivered his people from Egypt and they wandered in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. They, they tell us that it's a three-day journey. A three-day journey took them 40 years. Why? Because they were thinking wrong and talking wrong. Have you ever noticed that a, a circumstance that never should have lasted that long lasted much longer than it should have if we think wrong and talk wrong? Now you have to understand this. God led them to that wilderness. But God didn't lead them there to live there. He led them there to pass through to get to the next place. And if you don't, if you don't know the right thing and say the right thing when you're at a, a place that may be difficult, you're going to linger in a place you're only meant to pass through. I don't know about you. If I'm meant to pass through it, I want to pass through it. I don't want to live and set up camp there. And so the reason that they did not pass through what and lingered in a place they were only meant to visit for three days is written to us in verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Can the word, isn't that something? Can you ever sit under the word and not profit? Absolutely. If you don't mix your faith with it, how do you mix your faith with it? Your tongue is the mixer. Your tongue is the mixer. And when you start saying, I know that I have, then you've mixed that word into your being and into your circumstance and into your situation. And so he was telling them why they didn't receive. They wouldn't say the right thing. They were saying the wrong thing. Then, and so in verse, in verse 3, the last phrase says, although the works were finished from the foundation of the earth. Now listen, listen how the Amplified reads. If you don't have an Amplified, just listen. It says, his works had been completed and prepared and waiting. 
for all who would believe. Couldn't we say this? Everything you need in life, it's already prepared. It's already prepared. And it's waiting on you. What's it waiting? It's waiting on you to know something and then say what you know and not move off of what you know is the word. Praise God. Praise God. You might know it for a week and let go of what you know. Have, do, you ever, do you ever remember growing up and taking a test and you, and, and, and you thought you knew the answer and then you looked over at the smart person's paper? You know, the valedictorian that always sat on your left side? And, and you, you look and you just happen to glance, not cheating, you know, yeah, you just happen to glance. <laughs> and on problem number three, they had C circled and you had D circled and you thought you knew. I remember doing this one time. I thought I knew. And I, and I see the one smarter next to me and I go, oh, they circled a different one. I'm erasing that. And I circle it and I got it back and I was wrong. They were wrong. Yeah. I had it right originally. But I started looking to who I thought knew. And I let go of what I knew. Circumstances come to try to get you to let go of what you know and redefine and get you to answer it wrong. Don't change what you know. Amen. Because it's prepared and waiting for all who would believe. And then this is, uh, this is what I want you to see. In verse 5, the Amplified says, and they forfeited their part in it. They forfeited. It, notice it didn't even say they were defeated. They just forfeited. A ball team, what is it? A football team, what, 11 players on a team? Is it 11? Is that right? Correct? Well, it doesn't sound like too many up here knows. I'll just pick yes, a number. That's <laughs> no, 11, 11 players on a team. Uh, they, they go to show, they, they, they go to play a game and four show up. Four. And uh, the, the coach has to walk out there and say, well, we forfeit. You go home and what happened? How, how was the game? Well, we forfeited. What do you mean you forfeited? We just didn't have people show up. Notice this. They weren't beat. They just didn't show up. Come on. Come on. Anytime a Christian loses, it's because they didn't show up with their faith. Show up with your faith. Show up. Some are showing up with no equipment on. They, they took off what they knew. It's showing up to that circumstance. It took off what they knew. Put on what you know and show up. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to not receive just because I didn't show up with my faith to lay hold because it's prepared and waiting. It's prepared and waiting for all who would believe and people not showing up. We have a lost and found table in our church. I don't know how it becomes the, one of the, the most uh, amply supplied tables in the, whole, in the whole building. You can go out there and we will tell them, there is stuff out there. It's not ours. It's yours. Please go get it. I mean, people, we have, your Bible's been out there for four months. Come on. With, yeah, with your name in it. It's embossed so beautifully on the front. By stacks of Bibles, you know. There's clothing out there. It's out there. Go by the table. And they still won't go by the table. And you know what? We just dump it. Why? They just didn't show up. And they ended up losing things that was theirs all along because they didn't show up. 
And God said, all that is his has been prepared. It's waiting for all who would show up with their faith to say, I know that I have it and I'm taking mine off the table. Amen. These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have. How many of you know faith isn't difficult when you know some things? Faith isn't difficult. Knowing makes all things easy. If you're struggling and feeling overwhelmed, it's a lack of knowing. Because when you know, you quit struggling. And faith is a flow that comes when you know. We aren't to labor to get faith, but we're to labor to know what God reveals. And when we labor to know and apply ourselves to know what he reveals, then faith is easy. Faith comes with that knowing. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, our lives are a picture of what we know. Yeah. And our lives are a picture of what we don't know. Well, thank God when I come to church, I come to know some things. Hallelujah. What about you? Amen. Can you say you've learned some Here things during these services? I mean, just yes. this, this last week. I'm here to know. I'm not here to get somebody else to prop me up. I'm not here to get somebody else to sympathize with me and feel bad for me. And many times people are coming. Listen, I pastored. There are some people who come to the church door for one thing, to get there and spill out what the devil's done to them so that somebody else can cry with them. And little by little, I start kicking that crutch out from under them. Kick it, you know. Clean it up. Yeah, why? Because I need you to stand on what you know and quit standing and leaning on what other people know. Hallelujah. Husbands, it's not enough for your wife to know. Wives, it's not enough for your husbands to know. It quit leaning on what other people know and start standing up and knowing some things for yourself. Wow, wow. Yeah. And have you ever noticed this? In third grade, they, they laid out the multiplication table before us. Remember that? Some of us remember that. Vaguely. <laughs> and if you'll remember that you had to, uh, when, when I was in school at least, they would lay down the entire multiplication, I don't know, up to 12 or something like that, is the 12 family. And they would lay it out, and they would give you three minutes to answer everything. One from, from one, to, one times one to 12 times 12. You had to know every single one and answer them in three minutes. You go, three minutes isn't enough time. If you know it, it is. If you don't know it, you have to sit there and work on each problem and kind of lay out, you don't know it. You better, you better lay that test down and go back to the study books because you don't know it. And they want you to be able to answer it in three minutes time because if you know it, you can do the whole thing in three minutes. Wow. Wow. And if you're struggling and struggling and things are taking too long, it's a sure sign that the devil's not your problem. You need to go back to the book and start refreshing yourself. Amen? Wow, wow, wow. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We're so grateful that you've given us your word so that we can go through life knowing, not just guessing, not just hoping, but knowing what you'll do. And we know, we know that all has been made ours. We know that you have prepared all that we'll ever need for this life. And it's prepared and it's waiting for us. It's waiting for our faith. So we come up to what you prepared and we say, we know that we have eternal life. We know that we have all that's connected to the life of God. All that's connected to the power of God, the ability of God. All that's connected to the supply of God. We know we have it. And we refuse, we refuse to lay down what we know or redefine what we know. But we hold to what we know because we know in whom we trust. 
We're so grateful for your word this morning. It doesn't leave us like it found us, but we're different because of it. And everybody said... Amen. Well, the pastor's asked us to go ahead and receive an offering for the ministry, so we're going to do that. Uh, you know, uh, there are the offering envelopes were on the seats there. And so if you're making out a check, making it payable to the church, if you're giving by cash this morning, please make sure that you fill that offering envelope out completely. But I so appreciate in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, where it says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, it's important that we understand divine order. And in that verse, if you'll ever notice, the word supply comes before the word need. My God shall supply all your need. What's he saying? The supply is in front of the need. Quit putting the need in front of the supply. Quit making the need first in your life. Put the supply first in your life. And quit talking about the need first in your conversation. If you're going to remark on your need, put the supply in front of it. Amen. Honey, we have a supply for that $10,000 bill. Yeah. Answer it that way. If you'll hold the supply in the divine order, that the supply comes in front of the need. Why? Because God wants us to be supply-minded and not need-minded. How many believers go through life need-minded? They're absorbed with their need. God wants you to be absorbed with the supply. Amen. In your thought life, in your conversation. Hold the need in front of your, excuse me, hold the supply in front of your need because God put the supply first. Hallelujah. Notice this. He says that, uh, as we read there in Hebrews, it says that all, you, all you'll ever need is prepared and waiting. Notice yeah. the need wasn't prepared, but the supply was. Yes. God, you're so good. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When, you, when you're ready to give, hold your offering up before the Lord and let's worship Him with our giving this morning. Father, again, we're thankful for all that you provided for us. And as we give this morning, we release our faith and we say this, that God's our provider. We were born into, we were born into supply. We were born into provision. We were born into abundance. We were born into more than enough at the new birth. And so we remind ourselves that no matter what we're facing financially, we say that we have full provision, full supply. And so, Father, we trust in your word. We rest and we recline ourselves. These things were written so that we may know that we have, and we say we know that we have it. We know that we have it. We know that we have it. And, Father, as we give this morning, we release our faith together, and we declare together that, let's say it together, my God, my God shall supply all my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Ushers, go ahead. You know, when you're faced with a need, face that saying, I know I have the supply. I know I have the answer. I know I have. I know I have. Isn't that better than saying, why didn't this thing happen? Where's the money going to come from? These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have. That's what God wants you to say. I know I have. I know I have. I know I have. I know I have. Hallelujah. 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 Pastor, is there anything else? Okay. Hallelujah. After the offering bucket, after the offering bucket goes your way, stand with me to your feet this morning. I want to remind you of services tonight. You don't want to miss it. 7 o'clock, Pastor. 7 o'clock. Don't want to miss it. And then again tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Turn to somebody before you're dismissed and say, It's good to know that I have it. It's good to know.
and you can be dismissed. God bless you.